Welcome to the Worship Leader Probs podcast with your hosts, Jeremy and Mr. Probs. Look, worship leading can be one of the most rewarding areas of church ministry. But it can also feel like... I'm a worship leader. And I'm a production guy. And these are our problems. Welcome to episode 21 of the Worship Leader Probs podcast. Dude, 21. Okay, so remind me of the thing that you said back in the beginning. Like, if you can do six of these. Oh, yeah, yeah. What, what, what's 21? I don't know. It's good. I don't, I don't actually, I don't remember. It's it's like you have like a two or three year shelf life or something like that, that you'll do it for. Okay. Because well. I think we found out while this is very good and like we're approaching 30,000 when it comes to total plays and it's very good. It's a lot of work too. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And here's what we need from you. Okay. It's been a pretty big week on Instagram. We, it's a big week. we crossed the 40,000 follower threshold. All right. right? So we got this deal where if we get to 50,000, we're going to tell you who I am. And look, I'll be honest with you. It would be awesome if we were there already, but we're not there. We need your help to get to 50,000 Instagram followers. So go to worship leader probs on Instagram and click follow. Then click pause on this podcast. What you're going to do when you hit pause is go Make sure you've subscribed to the podcast. Make sure you've left a five-star review because what we learned from our Canadian friends is you would be a doink if you leave anything less than five stars. So give us five stars, write some nice words because we're artists and we're fragile. We are very fragile. We're so fragile, right? Yeah. So it must be Italian. Five stars. We need it. Help us. We need it. We need Help it. us. Help us. So, okay. I know this is going to be a couple of weeks off. Worship Leader Probs Nation. Mm. But can we talk a little bit about our, our interview today? And so the way we record, it's it's a little it's a little funky. So we do the interview with whoever the guest is on a certain day of the week. But then we don't record the beginning portion of the podcast and the ending of the podcast until Sunday afternoons. And so we're kind of all over the place with when we record. So today we interviewed actually a good friend of Mr. Probs today. So who do we interview? The one and only Sandy Patty. Yo. And here's the deal. If that name is new to you, you need to, you need to go Google Sandy S A N D I P A T T Y. Okay. Hit the Googles. I got the Googles. I got one, one number that you need to know. 11 million records sold and, and for our for our young audience that listens to this podcast that wasn't 11 million streams that wasn't you know like single sold on itunes that is 11 million records that people either went to the show and bought got in their car went to the christian bookstore and picked up that is unbelievable you need to know something that jeremy even said when we recorded like most most people who are doing Christian music today are standing on her shoulders. She, she was one of the first and she took it to unbelievable places. 40 Dove Awards, five Grammys. Yeah. Three platinum albums, five gold albums. Platinum. That means platinum. one mil. 
just on one one album. And she did that three times. One million albums. Right. <laughs> so my now, best Dr. Evil voice. So now she's in a church and uh, she's doing what we do. And that's right. She she gets the memes, man. And she is got some wisdom to drop. So that is coming. And I may or may not have sang one of her songs back to her. He and did. I'm sitting here now going, did I just sing a Sandy Patty song in front of Sandy Patty? And I'm not actually a singer. He did, man. I think I think there was like a head bob and some hand motions. Like it was it was it was pretty lit. Yeah. I just keep thinking of that country song in my head. What was I thinking? <laughs> hey, I told is- my wife, because my wife is a huge Sandy Patty fan. And at the end, we were already done recording. And my wife, I knew she was coming. So she came in and she composed herself. But she said she got in her car and fangirled out. So. <laughs> what was the song you sang? Remind me. Well, I don't want to give them uh, too much of a hint right now. Okay. All right. Hey, are the kids still... So I'm waiting for another time in another place. <laughs> nice. Nice. Woo! What is it? It was I, funny. Are the kids saying the fleek or what? Um, what is it's on fleek on fleek? Are the kids still saying that they were saying that they're not I don't saying know that it they anymore. Still are really? Yeah. Yeah. Totes, dude. Dude. What's the opposite of totes my goats? I, I have no idea. I feel like we should bring that phrase back. You know, which one I've always wanted to bring back. What? So to be like, dude, I really, I really like your hat. Psych. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. That, <laughs> that was always my favorite. <laughs> hey, that's a really cool shirt. Psych. <laughs> Dude, so my wife's doing dishes while we're recording right now. And I look over and she's got her eyes closed. She's just shaking her head at me. <laughs> yeah. I've seen that look from my own, my own wife. From your own Mrs. Probs. Mrs. Probs. She's a head shaker. Eye roller. Guess what, guess what time it is. What time is it? Game time. It's time for our MVPs. Okay, so each week on the Worship Leader Probs podcast, we like to recognize those people who go the extra mile in our churches. We call them MVPs. They are very special people. And this week, Uncle Jer has got some MVPs for us. And so our first volunteer MVP is Paul Riddo. And Paul serves at Calvary Chapel, Vero Beach, where he is working with worship, children's ministry, and the prayer team. How cool is that? This was submitted by Jonathan Vindries, who is the worship leader at Calvary Chapel. He says, why should this guy be one of your MVPs? Shoot. This guy is everywhere, charging for Christ since he came back to the church. He loves people and sees them as Christ does. He pays electric guitar on the team and has done nothing but want to learn more and more about how to deepen and grow his talent to use for God's kingdom. He loves teaching in the children's ministry and loves investing in the lives of the kids. Mm. So, Paul Riddo, mm. we salute you. We salute you, buddy. You never want to get rid of guys like that. Oh, dude, he seems like I like that charging for the kingdom. Sorry. What are you laughing? I at? couldn't. You, know, you missed. That's okay. I said you never want to get rid of guys like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
And our next volunteer is a lady by the name of Leah Norton. And Leah Norton is one of the acoustic guitar players at Pathway Church, where I serve. And so our worship pastor, Randy Miller, who's a former MVP, mm. uh, nominated Leah. And so here's what he has to say about Leah. Leah has broken out of her introversion and followed the Lord into a platform position on the worship team, which is typically terrifying for people who don't want attention. She has blossomed into a very savvy acoustic guitar player. She is ridiculously loyal and dependable, and she has developed as a songwriter and collaborating with others when writing songs as well. All of this while she is homeschooling. Now she's starting to develop her singing voice. God has anointed Leah with an amazingly deep understanding of God's word. And from her powerful truths about who God is and who we are in him often come from her worship team devotions, life group settings, and in spiritual conversations. Need prayer? Leah is also a prayer warrior and will faithfully pray for others and their needs. She is a worship pastor's dream. Mm, mm, mm. That's awesome. And so... It was it. So we had a time where we lost uh, a couple acoustic guitar players all at the same time, <clears throat> and she played thirty weeks in a row. Oh my goodness! So she went from we had to like convince her to get up on the platform in the first place, and then when when some things went down, she played thirty weeks in a row. And so Leah Norton, we salute you. That is awesome. So what we need from you is help with people that should be recognized as MVPs on the Worship Leader Probs podcast. All you have to do is go to our website, www.worshipleaderprobs.com, and click on the MVP tab. You can fill out the form right online. You can also DM us uh, in the Instagram account at Worship Leader Probs. I have heard you've got quite a few <laughs> prayer concerns this week. And did you notice I said prayer requests again last in our last episode? I and did. you didn't catch it. I did. I, I caught it, but I didn't, you know, I didn't know what to say. I need you like a good Calvinist to call me out, dude. <laughs> right? Pretty good. A good Calvinist. That's awesome. So why don't we take a few moments here and read some of our prayer concerns? In the prayer concerns portion of our podcast, we like to take all of the uh, nasty things that people like to put in the prayer section of all of our comment cards that we have at the church. Some of us may call them our connection card or our welcome card. And every week as we're going through so we can get to know our people better, people always think that that's the right place to make some sort of a complaint that they have against the church. And so, Mr. Probs, what do we got this week? So they write nasty stuff on there. Sometimes. <laughs> we might like, need to change the music. <laughs> little, little Janet Jackson on there. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay, I've got three prayer concerns this week. And here is number one. A guy once complained about me wearing red shoes while I led worship because, quote, it caused him to stumble. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can't look at red shoes the same anymore. <laughs> So wouldn't that be considered a nasty thing? That would be pretty nasty. She's just trying to look good, man. She's trying to look fashionable, wear some red shoes out there. Bro, if he was wearing red shoes and directing the choir. (laughs) (laughs) And if you, this is your first time listening to the podcast, you need to go back because that is a reference to a former episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. These are crazy, man. Here's number two. We won't be coming back. Worship is only good when that one girl sings and she doesn't sing enough for us. Okay. 
Okay. It, it, because basically the church is Burger King. You can have a chore. With exactly. It. Right. Really coming from the heart on this. I feel that. I really do. <laughs> okay. Here's the last, here's the last one. <laughs> Literally got one today telling me not to look around the room when leading worship so they don't have to make eye contact with me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Please, don't lead us in worship. What does that even mean, man? Oh, my goodness. Wow. Well, hey, listeners, thank you so much for sending in your prayer concerns. Uh, we love to go through these these and, and listen to them. And uh, I think in a couple of weeks, we're going to do an episode where we just go back and cut and paste all the prayer concerns into just one big episode, um, because I just think that would be it would be pretty funny. It'd be a feast for the senses is what it would be. It would be. It would be. So if you'd like us to uh, read yours, you can always DM it to us. You can send us an email at info at worshipleaderprobs.com. And like we've always said, we'll never use your name or your church's name. We'll keep it 100% anonymous. So, Mr. Probs, let's get into the last portion of our podcast that we like to call sliding into the DMs. So we get a lot of DMs to our to our Instagram account. That's now over 40,000 people, by the way. Um, and so we like to take a moment on the podcast just to pick one or two of the questions and to go through and answer them live here for you guys. And so, Mr. Probs, what are we talking about this week? We got a lot of questions this last week for whatever reason about in-ear monitors and how to mix them. Like, okay. uh, what what should you have in there? What, you know, how much is up yeah. to the person? What do you suggest? How do you help? That kind of stuff. So if you, what, yeah. if you want to start. Yeah. So um, I know I, I'm the production guy, but I, I played acoustic guitar and electric guitar for seven years on the worship team before moving into my current position uh, as the media pastor. And then I spent some time playing in a band and stuff like that. So um, I think there's, there's some different, there's some different ideas for people on what they like to have in the year. So some of this is going to be subjective, um, you know, and I think there are some concepts that we can put into place. And so Number one thing for me when I am mixing my in-ears is stereo placement. Mm. So in many of our, of our, whether it's an Avion, whether you're using live mix, the Allen and Heath ME1s, or even if they're, they're mixing, you know, at front of house or you have a, a monitor console that's specifically doing your ears. Um, I find that to get room in my ears in a good mix, I need to move things around and pan them left and right. Um, and so what I really try to do is whether I'm singing or I'm the acoustic guitar player, I always do whatever my main thing is. I will leave that in the middle. And then I, I, I always try to like, when I first got on ears, like, let's say I'm all the way stage left, I would pan accordingly in my ear. So let's say, um, I wanted to get, my wife was singing and I knew she had a solo and I'm the one that has to play acoustic at the beginning. If she was all the way to my right. I would pan her all the way to the right and kind of try to get in my ears like where she was standing um, in order to try to make it feel a little bit more like real in your ears, you know. Mm -hmm. um, eventually, I kind of got away from that. And I just I was more like, I want to hear myself. And then I just want to have room to be able to hear other things. And so um, I would start myself in the middle. I would take the vocals and I would just pan them all the way left and right. That's just what I did for myself. I typically leave the click in the middle because it's really important to me that I hear the click and can stay on top of that. Um, and then honestly, my personal in-ear mix, I keep the drums, the click, myself, depends on the electric guitar player, but typically electric guitar 
and the lead vocalist. Mm-hmm. I don't really put, I, I would put no tracks in my ears. Um, I wouldn't put many, like the singers would kind of be there, but it would really just be my lead. And I never had bass guitar. Um, and it would really be just kick and snare were all that I really put in my ears. Just, just what is going to keep me on beat and make sure that I can hear where we're going with the lead singer. So that's kind of, that's what I do with my in-ear mix. And so again, I can't tell you how many times, um, like one of our singers will be like, you know, Jerry, I'm having a really hard time hearing. I can't hear myself and I'll go up and they've got like, everything is right in the middle. Mm. Or I can't tell you how many times, like somebody will sing with just one ear in and I'll go up and I'll be like, so you can't hear yourself. Right. And I'm like, yeah, what ear do you have in? Why well, keep my left ear in? I'll be like, do you realize you're panned all the way to the right? <laughs> that explains I, like that happens more often than not and a lot of times if i just go up and i pan everything in stereo and we'll go hey how's that better now and i won't even touch levels sometimes and they're like oh my gosh that's night and day better so let me ask you a question as a as a, a, a platform person and yeah. like if you're in front of house um and you're mixing ears from back there let's say yeah uh, what's a, what is the best way to communicate what we're needing to you? Mm-hmm. So for me, it starts, it starts at, at soundcheck. So I, in the situations I've been in where I've needed to mix ears from front of house, kind of, we go through and we just kind of line check everything first, make sure everybody's got signal. And then how I do it is I have uh, when we're doing soundcheck, uh, when we're actually doing the soundcheck, I'll be like, all right, let's start with the kick. Um, I have everyone raise their hand. And when they get enough of the, whatever that is, we're checking, I have them put their hands down. Mm, nice. Um, so that way, like say, let, all right, let's hit kick. And then I'm now I'm only going, you know, one at a time through, but if I know I'm looking at, I'm waiting for the bass player. As soon as his hand goes down, I move to the next one and then we'll go, all right, here we go. Snare, you know, mm-hmm. we'll hit the snare and put your hands up. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, now if let's say you don't want any snare, don't put your hand up in the first place, mm, there you, you go. know? And so that's just kind of an easy way. And then I usually, the worst pastor or whoever's leading, they're kind of helping me spot, like if it's a you know large group on stage. Mm. And so that's how we would run through. And then, you know, at the end, we would like run a song and ask, all right, any, does anybody have any major things they need fixed right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, and then so from there, um, typically what we would do, like um, I, I like to use finger, like your pointer finger up or down. And then the okay symbol for when it's good, because Mm. if you give a thumbs up, that could lead me to believe that you want me to actually raise your levels. So I go finger pointing up, finger pointing down or an okay symbol when it's where you want it. Mm. Excellent. That's great stuff. That's helpful too, by the way. Yeah. Um, We just went to live mix, live mix. Oh, those are cool. Right. The little box. Yeah. So lots of options, really, really helpful. So I, my career uh, in ministry, you know, I started with floor wedges. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did some uh, worship leading without any monitors, which was not a pleasure. But then we we had floor wedges every week. Then we graduated to in-ears. And then we added uh, like multi-tracks or Ableton or whatever into the in-ears. And so um, it's been kind of a progression for me. And, uh, uh, you know, the in-ear thing is uh is fantastic we do get a fair amount of questions on what are affordable options for that and Mm -hmm. you know um there's there's a lot out there um so you know do some research i know jeremy uses all 
we have we have an older Aviom system, yeah. um, but there are some other systems out like the Allen and Heath ME ones. Yeah. I've used a couple of times; those are fantastic. Uh, some people may disagree with me. I was really impressed with the Behringer in, mm-hmm. in-ear system, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they're on the more affordable side. And so there is lots of of good options out there for that. The live mix, um, our our uh, in ears were mixed from front of house before we went to live mix, and we went to live mix maybe. I don't know, six months ago, seven, eight months ago, something like that. Took a little getting used to. Um, yeah. Um, but it it is very nice to have control. Yeah. Um, I, in terms of what you should have in there, like if you're a if you're a worship leader or a singer, um, got to have you got to have a click. Yeah. And if especially if you're using multi tracks, you got to have click because you get off from the click, you're off from the track and everything. And, and that, I would even argue if you have ears and you're not using click, do it. Yeah. It will it'll change the game. It will, and you'll get used to it. It will be uh, alarming at first. And you know, yeah. our Ableton has the vocal the voice cues on it as well, and that probably is more alarming than yeah. the click itself is. But if you've seen the movie Anchorman, you know, did you type that on there? I told you he'll he'll, he'll read anything you put on the teleprompter. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit a bit of that sensation. Like if you if you if you do a, a month with click and vocal cues, and then you go someplace to lead and you don't have that, you will be going, "Holy cow! I need my cues back," because Absolutely. it really sets you free. And and we'll get tons of DMs from people saying, "Just learn your music." Well, here's the deal. You got to be prepared and you got to know your music, but there are so many things that can happen in the course of a service. You're sometimes singing and playing, you're leading worship, you're focusing on a lot of, a lot of things. And it is really, it, it is something that sets you free to lead. You don't have to be concerned about the form. You've thought that through already when you put your vocal cues in. So yeah. I'm a, I am a proponent of that. That doesn't mean it's a hard and fast rule. Do what you do what you feel comfortable with. But I would encourage you. Uh, he's I'd Mr. Encourage you to try it. He, you need to listen to him. <laughs> well, I would encourage you to try it. Okay. Often yeah. I find that people, when people think about tracks, they they it doesn't give you any freedom. And and you know what? You can set them up so that they don't give you any freedom. But you can also right. set them up that they give you freedom. So do yes, some sir. research be, and 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 at least be educated about it before you make a, a hard and fast rule for yourself. So correct. I like to have click. I like to have vocal cues. I like to have um, a lot of pitch. I will say yeah. with the advent of multi-tracks, I, I think sometimes um, pitch, the center of the pitch can be uh, tough to nail sometimes. You know, uh, because some of the, some of the tracks, especially today, you know, there's 8,000 cent, you know, lines on whatever the track is. And so, you know, I don't use a ton of the track in my, in my ears. Um, I like to have, uh, you know, something that gives me a good center of pitch and I'll be straight up with you. Acoustic guitar does not do that for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm a keyboard player. And so I'm used to, I'm used to hearing that kind of a pitch and sometimes it's a little harder for me with acoustic guitar for whatever reason um so i like i like good amount good amount of keyboard i'll I'll take some electric absolutely some drums you know oh yeah um but yeah you know you've got to be able to sing in time you've got to be able to stay on pitch that's right 
Are you a both both ears in guy? Absolutely. I wasn't for a while. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm of the age where I've, I've been using in-ears for almost 20 years. Wow. Um, And so, you know, it, it certainly is better for your ears, but if you have done it poorly, a few yeah. times, um, you know, it, it, it will start to affect, you know, your hearing a little bit. And so you want to make sure you're doing that the right way. And, um, for, if you're a leader at your church, I would highly encourage you, um, to figure out a way. And I know that there can be budget implications for this, but figure out a way to do some, uh, maybe some hearing screenings, you know, Find, oh, yeah. find an audiologist in your area who will come. Um, and maybe because you're a church, they'll give you a, a, a nice deal on that. But um, don't just throw your people on ear, on in-ears and then just forget about their ear health. Yeah, uh, right. You got one set of ears and it's if it goes, it's not coming back. That's so, right. um, yeah. So be mindful of your the ear health of your, your staff and your volunteers. Yep. And, and I would highly recommend if you can do it, use both ears. There's a lot of research that shows if you only use one, you're forcing the other ear to work harder. And I find whenever I've gone up to someone who uses one ear, they've usually had to turn it up volume wise to get what they need to hear. It's bad. It's um, bad for you. Yeah. And then you, you start to rely on the house too much and yeah, over singing can happen. And, and it's just so, like, it's just like click, just do it. You know, yeah. just do it, do it for a month, Yeah. do it for a month. Don't take it out, do it for a month and give it a really good test drive. Both ears. That's right. Good. Well, Hey guys, we're going to jump into our part two of our interview with Mia Fields. And so for all of our songwriting friends, she's going to really jump into some stuff with songwriting and uh, it is, it's magical. So enjoy part two with Mia Fields. Oh yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Is it right. Wow. Well, Mia, what would you, what would you say to, um, so a lot of our listeners and the people who follow the Instagram account are on the, the younger end of, of life just starting out. Maybe some of them are, uh, wrestling with a, a call to ministry. Maybe some of them, they want to write songs. They're not sure where to start. Like what would, what would your word of encouragement be to them? Well, I think sometimes my word of encouragement isn't that encouraging to people. Cause I think lots of times people want the fast answer. They want like how to, how to write hits in three easy steps. But I don't actually have that mm-hmm. answer for you because it's not been my experience. Um, I often will give like the Simon Cowell kind of answer and that's work mm-hmm. hard. Um, but mm-hmm. I will say this. It's amazing how when you live surrendered and live willing, um, that before you're ready, God will still God will still like give you upgrades before you're before you even have all the tools you think you need. So to be honest, wow. I started writing songs, you know, when I was like sixteen and had the first my first song recorded on a United album when I was eighteen or nineteen. And I didn't know how to play very many chords. I didn't even really know what I was doing. But, like, it's amazing how God put people around me to set it up to win and and how, like, he made it work, you know. And so I think just start. Yeah. There's something really great about, like, you have in your life what you value. And, like, if you, I don't know, if you really value songwriting, then you will, like, you will learn how to do it instead of just guessing. 
Um, there's so many great resources out there that, that like are great tools for songwriters. So you don't feel like you're just guessing. Um, cause there is, I think with any creativity, there's a side that feels inspired and then there's a side that is just discipline. Um, I think one of the best books, um, that people could get a hold of is Paul Belosh has a book called God's Songs that is basically like everything you need to know how to write songs. Mm. Wow. And I mean, he's not too shabby of a songwriter. So. I mean, he, he's right. <laughs> he might he might know a little bit about what he's talking about. Yeah, wow. he's awesome, and the book is so well done and so well written and so easy to follow. Whether you're like just beginning or whether you've been doing it for a few years. Yeah, mm. and it's it seems like with songwriting, you just got to do it over and over and over and over and over. Um, I was sitting in a uh, songwriting uh, session at a conference with Jenny Lee Riddle and she was, I mean, she wrote a revelation song. Like everyone, if you call yourself a Christian in this era knows (laughs) revelation song, right? right? So she, she was just sharing up at the front. She was just talking about like, just keep writing and keep writing and keep writing and keep writing. And she looked, she, her publicist or one of her team was there and she said, Hey, so-and-so, um, how many songs have I sent you? And he was like, oh gosh, last count was like over a thousand. She goes, and how many of these, uh, how many of these songs do the people in this room know? And he goes, six. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, like, I think like the, the greatest thing is, is, you know, I look at like my stage folders of songs as the years have gone by. And I think it's like anything, like the, the more you know, the, the less hard you have to work, like the less draining it is, the less you're guessing. And so, like, I think if you look at my songs from, like, 2012 to, like, two, 2019, there's, there's less songs and more songs that people would know, like, this year and last year than there was and then in 2012. In 2012, there might be 200 songs and, like, 10 of them work, you know, and then... You know, last yeah. year it might be like there's, there's 60 songs and 25 of them work, you know? So I think the more you know, the, the, the you end up working smarter and not harder. And your instincts just kick yeah. in a bit better. Yeah. What would you say? Because I, I have to imagine you have to, people are got to be sending new songs all the time. Like, hey, will you look at my lyrics? Yeah, I, can, like, I, I, well, I don't actually look at people's lyrics. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's I cool. Don't. Isn't but that it's, say, the it, it's so the anti-Christian thing to do? Um, you know, because I don't think it's helpful. I found that it, it was completely unhelpful for me to send lyrics to yeah. random people I've never met. You know? Um, yeah. Like, if I wanted to get into acting, I probably wouldn't, like, like email Brad Pitt and say, could you give me some tips? Um, <laughs> what I would do is I would be inspired by people who do it really well, but I would, like, get around people in my church to have who have things that I don't and get around a community of people that will tell me the truth. Um, because the best, the best thing ever for a songwriter is to learn how to receive criticism and take it and, and make it amazing. Cause the hard thing about writing, yeah. is it does feel deeply personal, but, but you have to learn to not cry when somebody says your baby's ugly, you know, like, you have to go, okay, let's make the baby <laughs> exactly. better. You know, let's make it, let's make it beautiful. What can we work on? You know, and it helps develop your instincts because otherwise you're just always be guessing and hoping for a win. Um, yeah. But so, you know, when people send me songs, I honestly always encourage them, find people in your world, 
like that that do that do elements of this. They don't have to be the best songwriter in the world, but find a musician who is better than you. Find a like a lyricist who is better than you, or find someone who loves poetry. Find someone who um, who has great, great theology, you know, and can like look over your song. Try it in your church and yeah. see how it goes, or you know, go and play it at a cafe and see what, what people think, see what the feedback is like. Um, at the very least, like find a song that is similar and compare it to the song and see what works about maybe another song and maybe what where yours needs work. You know, nobody was. Oh, that's good. I think you know that that's how you value something is you work hard. You know, and. And I'm still learning. Like, I'm still learning from, like, every person I write with. I, I learn something new all the time. Yeah. Okay, let me, let, me, let, me, let me refresh the question now that I've heard you share that. Okay. Let's say you're walking into, let, let, let me say you're walking into a songwriting session and maybe somebody's already got some lyrics. Like, what's, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see, like, that you're like, oh, that's an easily correctable thing in, like, your songwriting stuff? Or is there even anything? Well, I think um, so often people are like, well, I just want to be fresh and I want to break all the rules. And I think, but you don't know the rules, so how can you break them? Like, so there really oh, yeah. is some math behind songwriting and some, like, principles that really help establish, like, patterns and, and storylines in a song. And so I think once you know those, you can play with them. So, you know, one of the biggest things that I see, especially in lyric, in, like, church songs, like, because I won't not listen to anyone's songs, but I, it'll be more like in the context of maybe I'm at a conference and I will, you know, be doing a session where we're like giving feedback on songs. One of the things that I see frequently is um, people will, in lyric, people will often break their rhyme scheme. Um, okay. So when you're writing a song, like our brains naturally work by like seeing a but like by, by seeing patterns and having an expectation of what the next pattern is going to be. So like, for example, like maybe your verse um, is like a rhyme scheme, like A-A-B-A. Like it makes sense to make uh-huh. your next verse A-A-B-A, you know, just because like people will be expecting that. And when it, when, it, when you break it, it makes the song feel like something's a little bit off, you know, in, and obviously there's an exception, exception to the rule, but that is kind of like a general rule. Um, the other thing is um, telling, telling like, I think songs are stories, but telling the story chronologically, I think is is important. So you, maybe you'll have a song where, like, it, it'll say, like, Jesus rose up from the dead in the first verse, and then the second verse will say, you were bleeding on the cross. But that doesn't really work because it's, it's not telling the story in the order of event, events that it happened. So, it, you know, like, I think a great example of telling a story in the order of events that it happened is a song like Forever. Because, you know, it starts out right oh, at yeah. the very beginning before the cross and then it, like, tells the story. It's why it feels mm. so good. It's why it feels so, like, climactic. It's awesome, you know? Mm. Yeah. That's really, really good. I think that's super helpful. Because I know there, there is a lot of people um, who are, are writing originals for a church. I mean, we've gotten into it even at our church where we're starting to write some originals. Oh, and so awesome. when you don't... Yeah, and it's... we've. I mean, we, we've got our first little album coming out later this year and it's just been, but it's, it, it's a, when you're just kind of getting into it, you're, I think sometimes it's hard to fight that. Is this any good? You know what Bye. I mean? Like, you know, but so what we did is like, well, we don't really know anybody we could send it to. So let's just do it with the people. Is it resonating with them? Yeah. You know, and there's been one or two we've written that like, 
well, here's the hard thing with like doing stuff for people. Nobody's really going to come up to you at the end of church and be like that stuff because it's church and it's not it's like Christians. It's kind of nice. So <laughs> I think you have to go I mean, to my, my church would tell that. <laughs> well, I need to come to your church because that's awesome. I love honesty. I love Christians <laughs> and not shiny. Um, yeah. I, I will say like one of the best ways to figure out if a song is up to scratch is, is putting it in a set list with songs that you didn't write, you know? So maybe you put it in a set list with, with a Hillsong song and an Elevation song. And if it stands out very badly as, gosh, someone from our church wrote that, because it's not good, then that just means the song needs work. And maybe, maybe it's not even the song needs work. Maybe it's the, the you know, the arrangement needs work. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really, really good. So like you said earlier, like to compare it to a, like, are there songs you use to compare? Like when you write something like, oh gosh, was it, you know, who you say I am good or, you know, like. Right. Well, I used to, now I, I think the more that you compare your songs to another song, what it's actually doing is teaching you like the fundamentals of songwriting or, and you begin to recognize this song works because of that. Like, well, this song works because of these elements, you know? So it's, it's, songwriting is so much about developing your instincts. And I think anyone can write a song, but if they won't develop their instincts, they'll never write a good song um, because they'll be guessing, you know? So there are certain songs that I'll be like, you know, I mean, there's definitely songs like that I will hear and I'll think that's awesome. If I was going to say that, how would I say it? And then I'll go and write a different song, you know, that, that maybe feels like, it's saying the same thing in a new way, you know? Like, I think, yeah. like, not for a moment, um, was because I heard um, I heard that Matt Redmond and Jason Ingram song, Never Once. And I remember being yeah. that recording and, like, them playing this song, Never Once, Have We Ever Walked Alone? And, think, and I remember thinking, this is amazing. And I thought, well, if I was going to say that same message, how would I say it? And I thought, you know, I would say not for a moment. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. I uh, I won't go into the whole full story, but I we had shared we interviewed Meredith Andrews, and isn't uh, she such a legend? That, oh my gosh, she is. We we called the episode "Stirring Up Deep Deep Well" <laughs> with <laughs> Meredith Andrews because she is insane. Deep well, that one. Yes, she is. Meredith um, is like her but, husband as well. They're just like a power team, aren't they? They are. Oh they sure gosh. are. But I just told her a quick story of. Um, my wife and I, we, we lost our first son in 2006. Um, and then, uh, seven years later, it took us seven years to get pregnant again. And then, uh, our second son passed away in the womb and my wife had to go and and deliver him. And like legit, I was at the experience conference and, uh, Meredith Andrews was singing not for a moment and I had never heard it before. And it like dropped me to my knees. And so I immediately got home and I shared it with my wife and it was like, an anthem that helped us kind of get through some of the darkest times of our lives. And then after a couple of years, um, my wife sang it to our church. Oh, wow. Um, And here, yeah. And here we sit 13 years later, you know, we still don't have kids and, you know, we're, we're going to adopt and we're in the process of all that. But like, yeah, that song has been a golly. You've had two songs that have like instrumental in my life. Mia. Oh, really? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, we talked about always, which kind oh, yeah. of set the path away. Yeah, and now, that's amazing. And then, wow. Moment, so wow, that's that's an incredible story. I mean, 
gosh, it is like those sort of things. You go, what do you say? Like, what do you do when you've said everything and you and you, you can't say it anymore? You can't pray it anymore. I think you can always sing it. You know. Mm, mm, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I was going to just say, like, I if I, if I wrote this the kinds of songs that you sing. I would probably be walking around like singing them to myself because they're the the depth of the lyrics. They're just like, do you have any of your songs, any of the hundreds that we know and maybe even some that we don't know? Is there anything that um, like one of your own songs, you're going through a rough time and that's kind of even in your mind, you hit the play button and remind yourself, you know, this is still true, even though I'm going through a rough, a rough time. Oh, yeah. You know, there's there's plenty of songs that I've written in the rough time because I think there's so much power in moving in the opposite spirit. And so to be in the same when I hit something rough again, it's almost like like a reminder, like you did it once, you're going to do it again. So like, you know, a song like, um, yeah. there's a song called Peace Be Still that um, yeah. is about, you know, it sounds like it's about oceans, but it's actually about um, disappointment. I started writing mm. it like on the edge of feeling like I was going to experience one of the biggest disappointments of my life. And my experience had been disappointment in a bunch of areas. And so I was like, God, I can't be disappointed again. And, and I felt like God say, like, you don't need to be afraid. It's just disappointment. And it's not deeper than like, than I can hear you. And it's not deeper than my hope. And I remember like, just going like, okay. And so when it's, you know, so I will walk around saying, like, these waves are only waves. Like, disappointment is just disappointment. Fear is just fear. It's actually not, it's not bigger than God, you know? Mm, 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 mm. And he can say one word, speak to it, and it can be done, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Boy, I'll tell you, one and another one of your songs, my, my wife and I have been going through some, just uh, kind of a season of uh, uncertainty, I guess would be a good word for it. And your song... Uh, you got in on "Not Afraid." That's on the Jesus oh, yeah. culture. Oh man, we one of us is singing that almost every single day in our house right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, we uh, we that song just rocked uh, rocked us the first time we heard it. So, oh, that's awesome. I mean, there's something okay, to telling like to telling your situation like you don't get to win. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag not today, Satan. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mia Fields is going to punch you in the face. No, basically that's what I'm going for. Like a song like the Risen." I remember when Matt and I wrote that. I said, "I want that. I want that bridge to feel like it's literally like sucked into the devil. Like, you know, mm. oh hell, where is like where is your victory? I want it to feel like yeah, sucked in. Like because I think sometimes you need the good like sucked in. You lost. Absolutely. He does. Absolutely. He does. Has there ever been a song you've written that you thought, eh, it's just okay, and it, like, really, it just, churches just grabbed a hold of it? Um, well, there was a song, okay, there was a song in the last Jesus Culture record that I didn't even know was recorded. Um, <laughs> well, and actually, Not Afraid was like that as well. Like, I wrote that, like, for the Red Rocks crew, like, with them, and then I didn't know that Jesus Culture recorded it as well. Um, but there was a song called Freedom that Kim sings on the last um, yes. Jesus Culture album. And it's, um, it's a praise song, but it was, I hadn't finished it. Like, and so it was recorded and I was like, oh, 
how do I know this song? Like, I know all the words already. This is so weird. And then I was like, wait a second, I wrote this. <laughs> and so what happened was the person I was writing with had, had like, showed somebody else and they finished it and then Kim had heard it and loved it and so they did it. And I, and I rang, that, like, Hank Bentley was the co-writer and I rang him and I was like, hey, what about that song? And he goes, oh, yeah, by the way, I finished it with, like, these people. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, that was well. That's amazing. That's so cool. Well, Mia, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your heart, man. This has been awesome. Awesome. Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Well, we're oh, thrilled. Yeah, this- and again, you know, we told you in the beginning, you're, you're the gift that God put inside you that you have stewarded and uh, worked at and grown is just unbelievable. To somebody like me who is not a songwriter, man, the fact that uh, all this stuff, just this rich stuff uh, you have given us to sing in our churches and over our churches. Um, just thank you. Thank you so oh, much for you. your faithfulness. I mean, honestly, I, I'm constantly saying, like, I don't know why people would bother if, if it wasn't for people. You know, like, I, mm. it, I, I could really care less about, like, this song's doing that or this song's doing that. But, like, when I hear people's stories of, you know, you don't know that I went through this season and like this song carried me through that season and became my prayer in this season. Or, you know, when someone says like, I was coming up against this and this song gave me words to declare over it. Uh, it I mean, that's everything. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's so cool. Kingdom mindset. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. Awesome. We're all in this together. Absolutely. Amen. Yes, we are. Amen. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks again, Mia. And we just, again, really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it, guys. Dude, so much good stuff in there. Man. Yeah, she's really so relatable. And uh, uh-huh. I, I feel like she's she's just uh, real about, yeah, you know what? I didn't think I was really good at this. And so I decided I'm going to really work and try to get good at this. And I feel like she she has a a way of seeing her herself like she's not all that when really she kind of is, you know what I mean? Like she's, she's such a great gifted songwriter. Um, but she doesn't see herself as like a finished product. And, um, I really, I enjoyed our time with her very much. Yeah. I've got a friend who's one of the more talented people I know. And part of the reason I love him so much is he doesn't know how talented he is. And I pray all the time. I pray he never realizes how talented he is because if he did, his head would just go. Right. Right. So, well, hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, wait, hold on. Let me let me figure something out real quick, and then I'll I'll do that out to the end. So we would come back. I'm gonna say next week will be we're we're gonna have an episode of just nothing but prayer concerns. So the 18th is Mia Part Two. The 25th is prayer. All prayer concerns. So we would be back. 26th. Sorry, so 19th sorry. would be, 19th, yeah, 26th. 26th. So on April 2nd. Yep. And then, so we'll be back with our our interview with Sandy Patty on the 2nd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Here we go. You ready? Mm-hmm. So guys, we just want to give you a heads up of what's going to happen a little bit on the podcast over the next couple of weeks. Mr. Probs and I are both out of town doing a bunch of different cool things. And so uh, this week you've got uh, your episode with Mia Fields. Then the week after that, on the 26th, 
We're going to do an episode of nothing but prayer concerns only. And then we will be back with a new episode of the podcast on Tuesday, April 2nd with our girl, Sandy Patty. The one and only. The one and only. So get hyped. Hey, Worship Leader Proms Nation, we love you. We thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And until next time, see ya. Deuces.